When you analyze that and say, okay, well, I don't see that there's a valid reason for how they treated me. Take a second and do your analysis of who it was done by. Look at their life. If you want to even take it a step further, allow yourself to say, it's not a reflection of me, but it's a reflection of them. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with personal accountability coach, Andrea Mason. Andrea works with clients to illuminate the path to freedom through forgiveness. Andrea is the creator of the innovative and customary life transformational journey, utilizing the power of healing and forgiveness called play plan life according to you. I love so much of Andrea's message and specifically love her emphasis on the value and gift of time. Let's get over to the conversation with Andrea. And as always, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Andrea Mason. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well so much, Walker. Thank you so much for having me. And yourself? I am doing well as I'm doing well also, thank you. <laughs> Forgetting how to speak, so that's good. Um well, I'm so excited to have you here. Um you are a personal accountability coach and um I, I wanted you you have an acronym that you use in your work that I I, I really liked and it's it's giving helping people learn how to press play yes. um, with their life. So can you talk about what that acronym is and, and how you help people with that? Absolutely. So I'm always a young kid at heart. You know, when we grow up, sometimes we lose sight of that and we have to be rigid and organized and disciplined, which is all great traits to acquire. But when you take yourself too seriously, that's when it doesn't become fun. So what I did was I took all my life lessons, experiences, losses, tragedies, and traumas, and became victorious. And I decided the best way to do that is life is a game. So you have a choice every second, every second of the day to press play, plan life according to you. Why not? It's your life. You know, I like to tend to tell people when you are younger, your story is told to you. But there should be one point, and I ask you, at what point do you take the pen into your own hand and start writing your story? Mm. And as an accountability coach, I also have dabbled into over two decades of the mental health field because, pardon me, growing up, I have experienced trauma, victim of abuse, as well as bullying. And kids can be cruel at any age. And sometimes we still get bullied to our older years. And I felt that it was my voice, my message that would allow people to say, hey, you're not alone. I've been where you've been. I've been there at every stage of my life where I had the naysayers. I had the non-believers. I had the people who would say, you're not going to do it. You know what, Walker? I took that negativity and I turned it into positivity because I proved that I was capable. 
a long time ago, during my journey over the past couple of years, I had connected with a young gentleman who had really altered my perspective on life. And he had mentioned, excuse me, the most amazing word in the English language is impossible. Why? Because if you alter your perspective, it can be I'm possible. And that was a another quote that I've, <clears throat> excuse me, heard along my route. Mm-hmm. See, for me, it wasn't always simple, you know. And where I started from to looking back to see where I'm right now is pretty victorious. See, I was born in the war-torn drug zone era at its prime during the cartel of Colombia, South America. Oh, wow. It was explosions, drug trade, violence, you name it, the cream of the crop. And my parents made the ultimate sacrifice to put me up for adoption. For they were unable to care for me, let alone themselves. But here's the kicker. I was sent to America at 11 months old, weighing in at 11 pounds. Wow. Imagine that. That's a pound per month. And when I was old enough to be welcomed and understand and gracious and grateful for my unconditional, loving, healthy, wealthy family of the America, it was then disclosed to me, Andrea, at the age of seven, you are adopted. We are so blessed and grateful to have you as our treasure, treasure, Mm -hmm. pardon me. But when you're at seven years old and you're told you're adopted, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm a gift to my family. But then the reality sits in. Then the kids, like I had mentioned before, become cruel. I was a victim of bullying and abuse of all kinds, unfortunately, by my peers. I didn't look like my family. I didn't sound like my family. And what made it even more difficult for me internally, I have no medical records nor photographs of my biological family. Wow. So I have a blank slate of not knowing who I look like in the mirror. Hmm. And when the kids were bullying me, they were, well, how come your parents didn't want you? And then you kind of sit back. Wait a minute. I didn't think of it that way. My parents didn't want me. And then you're trying to fit in. And I always thought I lived in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, right? Hmm. Everybody got along. Everybody knew each other. The neighborhood, we sat on the stoop and everybody kind of chit-chatted and families came together. And if you got in trouble, the whole block knew about it and was making (laughs) sure that they would keep in tabs on you. But my parents were successful and they always instilled in me and I could still hear their voices resonating in my ear. Andrea, no matter what you do, do what you love, do your best and do it right. Now, as a young child, I put that with great standards because ladies and gentlemen, your parents, your caregivers, your guardians are your first coaches in your life. Mm. And then when they put that unconditional love and those expectations upon you, that's that was a big shoes to fill. No pun because I'm petite. (laughs) So it was just kind of like, okay, well, mom, dad, you guys are successful bankers. How am I going to meet up to that standards? 
So as I was not only dealing with the social component of not fitting in, I had to work 10 times harder just to get by in every level of education because of the distractions. Mm. So when I was doing that, it was it was difficult, you know, because I had to turn to my family, but I had to wait for that five o'clock whistle to go off for mm. one of them to come home. But luckily I was blessed that my the way my family lived, they it was a mother-daughter house, so I had my grandparents downstairs. And the only way I could be at peace during the school days was praying or salvaging myself to eat my lunch in the bathroom stalls just to break free from the toxicity around me. Wow. Shoved into lockers, thrown into trash cans, just bullied of every sort. And when I was able to be home with my grandparents, sure, they had limited, you know, sympathy, limited understanding what I was going through due to, gener due to the generational gaps, but I felt safe. Mm. And it's hard not to feel, <clears throat> excuse me, comfortable when you're somewhere else for a duration of the day. And so as I was going through life, it was like, how am I going to play? How was a child going to have fun in this kind of situation? So I expanded my skills and talents, <clears throat> excuse me, learning how to play the piano at such a young age and playing soccer. Mm. So when I was able to dabble into the universal language of music, my teacher taught me listening first, then reading uh, sheet music. So I would hear a tune and I'd be like, I tried to play it on the piano. And it was an accomplishment. It was achievement, something that everybody kind of stood in awe. But then my aggression would be taken out on the field. I practiced so hard night and day to make sure that my gifts, skills, and talents in this arena as an athlete that I could take it out on the field with the tactics of the soccer skills, with the aggression of all different angles that I'm able to utilize and maneuver the ball. So when I didn't have those scapegoats, I kind of went introverted. Mm. And it's difficult when you're sitting there in middle school and they're like, okay, kids, what do you guys want to be when you grow up? And I was just like, wow, um, really don't know. Yeah. You know, and as I was going through that, it was difficult because my parents needed to see an outlet outside of entertainment, which was, you know, music, as well as the physical well-being of soccer, somewhere incorporated in academics. But because I had difficulty folks focusing, trying to fit in, trying not to get bullied, then you sprinkle in abuse and it's just no holds bars. Right. So my parents were just like, okay, well, you need to talk to someone. And then now here I go in my head. Well, I don't want anybody to know I'm talking to someone because then you have another stable label, stereotype, category, compartment that you're put in. Mm -hmm. And so I went to that person and I shared my thoughts. And it was kind of to the point like, okay, well, this is what happened. This is what you're experiencing, and this is what you're going through. 
But you know what, Walker? It was never exploring the solution to the problem. It was mm-hmm. addressing the problem, admitting it, acknowledging it, and assessing the problem. But we'll talk about it. Hopefully things will change next week. Mm. And so when it came time, going backward to where I left off, what do you want to be? I decided I wanted to change the mindset of mental health. I wanted to change the mindset of being an advocate, being someone on the other side of the desk, being part of the solution. Mm. And when I did that, I entered into the realms of social work and psychology. Mm. Now, people were like, well, why, why do you go to social work? Why not just go psychology? That's the doctor part. I said, because the social work component for me, that was understanding the different levels, cultures, lifestyles, dynamics, socioeconomic statics, religions, creeds that people had. Psychology will only get you so far because it's the science and getting to the root cause of what is happening neurologically and where it was stemmed from. But if you don't marry nature versus nurturance, you're missing a whole piece of the puzzle. Mm. And that's what allowed me to explore and really excel at it because mm. I was able to work with individuals in from infantry to geriatric. I was able to actually watch the a evolution of how nature and nurturance can play a factor as well as your subconscious, which a lot of people really don't have a clear concept of because give you an example a few months ago we had some severe storms and it was lightning and thundering and for my entire life even when I was a child I would be in a fetal position or going by my parents fearful of thunderstorms and it was brought to my attention a few months back why aren't you over this it's a thunderstorm you're in your house you're an adult what's going on Boom, it triggered. And I realized that it was the subconscious of my first 11 months in Colombia during the cartel explosions and war. I never put the correlation together until now. And so when we tap into individuals, why they do what they do or don't do what they do, one of the like shadows that was shunned upon during my career i would go into individuals homes institutions juvenile detention centers geriatric hospitals or state facilities of the heinous of crimes but i would not bring the profile Mm. and i was not liked or praised for that moment Andre, you have to go in prepared. You have to know what you're walking into. You're in a state facility. You're going on the streets. You're going into a shelter. You're going into a homeless, you know, area. I said, all due respect, that's the assumptions, the presumptions, the labels, stigmatisms, and categories that society, familial members, and doctors have put them in. I want to get to the root cause and meet them as an individual. 
That's someone's right. daughter, sister, aunt, uncle, brother, husband. And although I enjoyed that, those two decades, it was really difficult to pursue going forward because it was not, it was frowned upon. Mm. You need to go with the rap sheet. And I would say, all due respect, why do they keep asking for me? Right. There's a reason why they're asking for me. Granted, my petite stature, granted I'm a female, granted I'm a woman, I get it. But they're asking for me because I, they know I'm not going there with prejudgmental eyes. Right. And that's what I want to bring to the table. When you press play, you get into your jovial state. Why do we stop being childlike and innocent, per se, and have the unveiling of who individuals are, as opposed to the compartmentalized judgment, stables, labels, and stereotypes that society has portrayed. A question that I had that I wanted to ask um, that I also saw that was central in your work is 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 the the idea of forgiveness, mm-hmm. and I wanted yes. I wanted to, to ask you to to kind of elaborate on that and, and talk about why why is forgiveness central to your coaching? It is so essential because going through the chapters of my life, if I didn't come to the moment of clarity to forgive my false belief about my biological parents giving me up, I think it, it it took a toll for many years because I was just, when you put it in a perspective, somebody else's eyes, well, wow, your parents didn't want you and shipped you not even a, <laughs> a village away, but a whole country, continent right. away, you know? And it, it forgiveness to me is if you do not face your past, your past will continue to chase you, no matter what. And I'm not condoning forgive and forget. I don't believe in that. Because if we forgive and we forget, truth be told, we are creatures of habit. It will happen again and again and again. And if it doesn't happen intentionally, an innocent bystander, a colleague, a relationship, a friendship, a collaborative effort, if they have an ounce of the traits of the perpetrator, the abuser, or the accuser who has done you wrong, mm. you've, they've already lost. Right. And the power, healing power of forgiveness for me was another area of in my life was because I was always told, it's a little 
side note, I grew up around all male cousins. I was the only female cousin. Mm. So I had to be the brawn. I had to be rugged. I had to be tough. And the nurturing side I got from my mother. But what happened was when she fell ill and I unfortunately lost my mother, Mm. I was just like, come on. You took another mother from me now. One gave me life. One showed me how to love. Now I have nothing. And I'm on the beginning stages of possibly, at the time, family planning. Mm. How can I be a mother without a mother? And I was angry and I was frustrated. Why? Yes, she was not well. Yes, I did not want her to suffer. Yes, I was blessed and gracious enough for us to give her the most amazing send-off because her and my father are two weeks apart in their age. And on their milestone, we sent them a surprise birthday. That's awesome. And when we had it, my parents are the type of parents, if we have a party, everybody shows up. And they were the kind of individuals that... They still, to this day, have friends from kindergarten, nursery school, after decades upon decades. And when I called my father, I'll never forget, I called my father and I said, Dad, you know, uh, where are you guys? You guys are never late. What's going on? And he was like, oh, um, mom's not well. I said, okay, I got to tell you something. I have 70 plus of your best friends, families, and friends here to celebrate your party. Five minutes later, they they came in. My dad wheeled my mom in, and it was like the greatest gift I've ever given to them, only to find out. Whew, two days later, mm. my mom passed. Wow. And so then, you know, your mind goes and I was just like, oh, my gosh, did I set up my mom for a repast before she passed? And for those of you who don't know, in 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 the Catholic Church for my parents, repast is a celebration of the life of those who've crossed over, who returned home. And to tap on to forgiveness, I was just like. How could I do this? How could I how could I have sent her off in mm. this way? And I isolated myself. I went dark from my family for two years, driving over an hour one way to her gravesite mm. for two consecutive years straight, wow. nonstop. And my family member said, you know, she's not there anymore. She's in your heart. And snapped me out of it. But who would have guessed, Walker? Several years later, I suppressed. I went work, go to work early, leave, you know, leave work late. And I just never forgave. I never healed. Mm -hmm. And in February 2016, I was getting ready to go to work, send the fellas off. And I arrived at the office and I was doing all right. Next thing I know, I had difficulty breathing. And I was like, that's weird. What's happening? 
And so I grabbed an inhaler because I had previous conditions of exercise-induced asthma. And I administered it. Next thing I know, I woke up in the hospital. I was like, what, what just happened? And they had ran tests that day. And they said, okay, Andrea, everything looks fine. Your discharge just could have been, you know, I don't know, something stress-related. I wake up the next morning, get the guys out. And I get a call and they said, Andre, you need to come to the hospital immediately. And so I said, no, I have school. <laughs> I have work. I have to get that. They said, no, it's imperative that you get there. If you're not, we'll send someone. I said, fine. I went to the school, I went to the hospital, pardon me. And they sat me down and they said, we've overlooked one of your tests. And your test says that you have myasthenia gravis. For those of you who don't know, it's the complete terminal condition of the deterioration and shutdown of the autoimmune system. And I, I was just, I said, I said, I was just like, I woke up in the ICU unit, hooked yeah. up on machines, no use of my limbs, unable to breathe, and I was like, what just happened? I was fine 24 hours ago. But ladies and gentlemen, if you aren't able to heal, forgive really take in consideration that your number one health is your asset. Your creator in the universe will make the decision for you if you mm -hmm. don't. And I remember being there for a week and, you know, it was difficult because, you know, our son was young and I said, I can't believe this is happening. I have work to do. I, I need to be at work. And I'll never forget the phone call I exchanged with my, my husband at the time. And, and this is homage to the late, great Mr. Bob Proctor, who I will never, ever forget. At the time of 2015, Rose, we made an, a conscious decision that we were going to unplug. Mm. Anything that we did, food, health, wealth, media, radio, you name it, we were going to take control over it. Turned off the cable bill, didn't listen to the radio. We just listened to motivational speaking, favorite songs that we played, favorite videos or what have you. And my husband's like, we need you home. What is going on? Running tests, running tests, running tests. We know what a diagnosis is, but nothing's getting better. It's getting worse. Spoiler alert, I remember we were watching The Secret. I won't spoil it too much. There's a medical excerpt in there. Mm. And I applied it. Hung up the phone that evening and I said, all right. Next day, the treatment team came in and said, you know what? Nothing is happening. We're going to take a milestone, a, a measurement where you're at. If you are able to walk on your own free will, consume food and hold it down as well as breathe on your own free will, you will be discharged. If you aren't, your stay is indefinite until further notice. Wow. And I said, all right. Team came in, I draped my feet over the hospital bed, jumped down because of my petite stature, and I walked completely to the nurse's station and back. 
was able to hold down my breakfast and snack and be relinquished of all machinery. Mm. And that, my friends, is the power of mind over matter and the healing power of forgiveness. Because what I was able to process was every pre-existing condition that I had was self-induced. Mm-hmm. My, well, obviously the myasthenia gravis was the last one, but it started with exercise-induced asthma, respiratory conditions, fibromyalgia, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, osteopenia, carpal tunnel syndrome, migraines beyond belief, which were two a day and difficulty breathing. And if once I was able to consume and absorb that this was all self-induced for the false beliefs that I had programmed into mind, the doubts, and most importantly, not being able to grieve and feel the emotions Mm -hmm. and heal through the emotions, they got the better of me. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud to say today, March 31st, 2022, since my discharge, February 22nd, 2023rd, I believe, 2016, knock on wood, I have had a clear bill of health since then. Awesome. And it's in the healing power of forgiveness is because when you think about the situations that have happened in your life, the maltreatment that you've been experiencing, you have to keep in mind, what is the resource and the root cause of the treatment? When you analyze that and say, okay, well, I don't see that there's a valid reason for how they treated me. Take a second and do your analysis of who it was done by. Mm. Look at their life. If you want to even take it a step further, allow yourself to say, it's not a reflection of me, but it's a reflection of them. Mm. And as I learned through the social work and psychology industries, as well as the medical wholeness and wellness components, a lot of us repeat the behaviors of our environment. Mm of our childhood, of our upbringings. And if we aren't able to recognize or distinguish that this is not what we align with as we grow older, and it's just common nature. And that's what I've learned with the inmates, the patients, the inpatients, the homeless, the, the, the elderly. That's all of they've, they've known. Nobody told them it was right or wrong. That's how they were treated. So treat that, you know, treat others how you treat them. Treat others how you want to be treated. Right. But if you have so much toxicity, so much anger, so much hurt, misery loves company. And when you find happiness, it's far and few and only short term. For most of us, because we either feel not deserving of feeling happy. We feel guilty for being happy because we found happiness and why is nobody else? You don't really want to share it when somebody's not doing well. Hey, I just got a raise. Hey, I got a new job. Hey, got a new car. Hey, I got a new house. And the people you're sharing it with it 
are still in the shadows. Yeah. So we haven't evolved or we're beginning to evolve to be selfless as opposed to be selfish. Mm. And Lewis B. Smead said this, and I'm going to paraphrase. Forgiveness is about setting a prisoner free only to realize that the prisoner is you. Yep. And I can't tell you somewhere, somehow, at one point in time, every single one of us has been a name on a therapeutic couch. Whether right. it was someone who's loved us, abandoned us, or hurt us. But it is our responsibility to change our titles. Mm. Not to let our titles allow us to be submissive. But if you're not happy with titles, allow your titles to allow you to be driven. Yeah. You know, I, that, yeah. Thank, and thank you for, for elaborating on that. I think that, um, I think forgiveness is something that is often looked at, you know, to, to kind of one of the things you said initially about it, where people think that it's about, um, basically saying that it's okay. Right. What someone else did. And, and that's not really what it's about. So, um, I, yeah, I think what you shared is really powerful. So one, one, one last thing that I wanted to, to touch on, and I, I, I don't know how much this is involved in, in the coaching, but I noticed it in, in a lot of your, you know, you've got a, a large amount of YouTube videos that I'll, I'll have links in our show notes for people to go check them out. I mean, really though, yes. it's, a, it's a great wealth of content. Um, you've also got a wide variety of Instagram posts and you just, you've created a lot of content in, in not all of them, but in some of those you will either say, or if it's like a, a written post, you'll write out. And you also end your emails that we exchange like this. And you, you really, you very specifically thank people for the gift of their time. Yes. And um, on the one hand, obviously, you know, we're all familiar with, with time and you can't get more of it kind of thing. But to some extent, I don't think that's actually a point that is emphasized enough how how much of a, of a gift it is for someone to give you time. So could you elaborate on that? Because I thought that was a really interesting point. Absolutely. Yes. And thank you for acknowledging that. You know... One thing that I've learned in this journey, as you mentioned, time is very valuable, but it's not give it's not it can't be replaced. It can't be it can be lost and it can be taken advantage of. And if you give your time to someone, that's the greatest gift, the gift of your presence to that individual. I can't tell you after my journey thus far, if you had asked me in October 2020, Andrea, you will be known as the global voice and have spoken on every single continent and have, I just, as you mentioned, surpassed 500 videos on YouTube of content. I wouldn't have believed you. But I guess it's kind of an adopt no pun intended, adopted trait that I learned, the most important thing is showing up. I can't tell you how many times I've had individuals and people say they will be here, I'm going to be here when you are, and I'm blocking off a time for that specific event, for them, for me, for a win-win situation, 
and it's lost. And speaking on other countries, we have to understand the value of time. We take it for granted. We look at 2020 as two years ago. But if you think about it, it went like that. Yeah. As horrible weighing and as life-changing as it has been for everyone, time will go like that. And as my mentor, Mr. Brown, says, you're here today and you're gone tomorrow. You don't know if you're here. You don't have a destination timestamp ticket in your hand. Mm -hmm. And when you live your life, living a life of love, leaving a legacy, that's the time. That's the worth. That's the value you have for others. You know, during my journey, I always acted with integrity. As I mentioned, my parents instilled that into me. And I created a quote, follow your heart and not the herd nor the hurt for happiness and success are on the other side. Mm. As precious as time is, is as precious as your patience. Mm. We always go hustle and bustle. I'm busy. I got to go. Hey, how are you doing? Good, great. I'll see you later. When does anybody invest time in you or themselves? Eric Thomas says, you're invested in so many other people, you don't even know who you are. I challenge you to spend one hour a day and learn about who you are. But while people were struggling and and coping with 2020, that's when I took a deep dive. Who is Andrea Mason? She was a victim. She was abused. She was abandoned. And she was a, a, an abuse of all kinds, sexual, spiritual, mental health, spirit, physical, you name it. But when I got down to who I really was, I was able to define who and how I can help. Mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey in his uh, one of his speeches, don't worry about what you want to be. Find out who you don't want to be. Then you'll find out who you really are. Mm-hmm. And if we just take a moment, three seconds to look in the mirror and just look in our eyes. There's so much, so much we have that we've yet to scratch the surface. Mm. Mr. Brown says people, people live until they're 35 and then they, they bury themselves at 77 because they stopped living at 35. You get up, you go to school, You get married, you have kids, maybe grandkids, and then you die. I didn't want to live like that. Mm -hmm. When I was on that hospital bed saying I had a terminal condition, I refused. I made a declaration to the universe and to the creator. I was going to do something with my life. Mm -hmm. And I think we just lose sight. Every single second of life, we have a choice. 
We make a mistake, you make another choice. You make another mistake, you make another choice. It's when you stop making choices that you better stop complaining. You are the author to your life. My mother said on her final days, these were the cards I was dealt. I didn't ask for this. But I'm going to play them out right. Because my gift right now is time. I don't know when it's going to expire, but I'm going to use it wisely. Yeah, I think that's uh, incredibly powerful uh, and, and and very beautiful. And I, I I really love how you touch on the the importance of not only the the gift that it is to give someone else your time and attention, but also the the how critical it is to to give that back to yourself and to recognize that that's also the best thing you can give to yourself is give yourself time, give yourself attention, which might sound like, well, aren't I always doing that? The answer is no, <laughs> you're probably yeah. not. <laughs> right. Absolutely. This would be very intentional, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you ask anybody in a crowded room, hey, what do you know about Johnny? What do you know about Sally? Boom, 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 boom. All right. <laughs> Tell me three good things about yourself. Crickets. Right. <laughs> Crickets. And that's why I think it's hysterical when people say, I'm terrified of the interview. Why? Because you don't know who you are you're always dictating and lecturing and trying to help everyone and put a band-aid on the world and help your family with their problems take a moment look at your reflection assess your life am i living my life according to me Mm. and that's where the press play comes in Life doesn't have to be hard work. Life doesn't have to be painful. Your perspective, your plan of action, and your mindset, when it's in alignment, that's when it's going to be fun. Mm. Well, I love it. Um, well, Andrea, I thank you so much uh, for your gift of time uh, in, in coming on the show this evening. Um, your website is andreamasons.com. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Like I said, I'll also be sure and link to uh, your YouTube, which I know there's also links on your website to your other social media platforms. Um, that being said, though, you know anyone that's listening that would be interested in maybe working with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you and, and get in contact? Absolutely. Yes. Like like uh, Walker had said, on my website, you can find my YouTube channel, subscribe to my YouTube channel, email me you subscribed, and I would be more, as a token appreciation, be able to connect with you one-on-one for a 30-minute complimentary session just to get you started. Because not every day do you have time for yourself to talk about you. That's who I want to learn about. I'm not the type of coach that gives exercises or schedules or groups or anything like that. I do not dictate. I do not lecture. I do not micromanage. I listen. I learn. I love. If I'm leading your life, I'm telling what you do. If I'm guiding your life, I may put you out of your comfort zone. What I do is I hear about what you want to do, and I walk right beside you Mm. to make sure it's done. And live your dreams because you're worth it. Awesome. Well, again, uh, Andre Mason, thank you so much for your time this evening. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Walker. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Take care.
sugar in my coffee is not a choice that I can take back. The anticipation of seeing you is bursting out my back. My hands are trembling like a leaf, my feet are shaking on the ground. Happiness you must give me Because I'm tired and bound and I don't want You to take My decision To rise or to pray I don't want to roll over for you 
Well, that's all for the show today. Thank you so much to Andrea for sharing her walk of life. I also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show, and of course, thank you for listening. I also invite you to check out my other shows, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a video game podcast where we talk about why gaming matters, or my other show, The Crowfall Podcast, which shares stories and perspectives from the MMO Crowfall. Both of these are available on any podcast app. Thanks again for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.